0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you and welcome to the show Tonight we start with the 1951 episode of Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell But to set the scene, we need to go back to 1945 when uh, Dick Powell portrayed Philip Marlowe in the movie Murder, My Sweet, based on Raymond Chandler's novel Farewell, My Lovely. This was a radical departure in character for Mr. Powell from a Hollywood song and dance man to a hard-boiled detective. Well, Diamond was a slick, sophisticated detective with a sharp tongue for folks who needed it. Diamond enjoyed the detective life, but not as much as entertaining his girl, Helen Asher. After each show, he would croon a number to his Park Avenue sweetheart. As mentioned, William Powell, a former song and dance man, was absolutely perfect for the role. He added an extra dimension to the 40s hokey private eye drama. Richard Diamond was one of the radio shows which successfully moved to television, with David Jansen, later of uh, fugitive fame, taking on the title role. Now, the opening of the uh, scene in the television show often featured the long, lovely legs of the late Mary Tyler Moore. And by the way, Mary was replaced on The Richard Diamond Show when it became known that she owned the mystery legs. With all of that to digest, here's tonight's episode... Rene Bennett, or should I say Rene Benet?
2: Richard Diamond, Private Detective.
3: Hello there, this is Diamond. You know, I like to say that. Hello there, this is Diamond. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I say it all the time. Hello there, this is Diamond. You know, I think it sounds kind of, well, pretty bad. Of course I'd rather say hello there this is I've got a sponsor diamond but that's silly too because if I had a sponsor I wouldn't have time to say hello there this is diamond I'd be overshadowing his shoes. Confused? Well so am I. Want to get really mixed up? Let me tell you what happened last week this is real silly. So silly it wound up with murder. I was sitting in my office thinking about June Allison when the phone rang. Diamond Detective Agency, no other corpse can make that statement.
4: Oh, Rick.
3: Don't believe it? Just listen to what one of our satisfied customers has to say about Diamond. I've been buried now under 30 years. Rick. Hello, Alan. (laughs) You idiot. What are you doing? I know this will throw you. Nothing. No washing today? Finished an hour ago. Oh, uh, by the way, I got a beef. A beef? Yeah. Those socks you knitted for me shrunk so much, I need four more
5: pairs.
6: Well, if they shrunk, what do you want with four more pairs?
3: Gonna start a new fad. I'm gonna wear them on my toes, you know, toe socks.
4: Well, if I knit you four pairs, that'll only give you ten
3: altogether. <laughs> oh, by George, you really pulled off a speedy, didn't you?
6: Well, <laughs> Wasn't half as bad as some of those gas plays you come up with. All
3: okay. right, Smarty, now, what's on your real old mind?
6: Want you to do me a favor?
3: Like, for instance?
6: No, for instance. I told you a friend of mine would come up and see you, and I want you to do what you can for
5: him.
3: Mr. Diamond...
5: Uh, hold it a minute, honey. Yeah? Mr. Diamond, I was told to look you up. I am Renee. Rick, what is it? Helen. Yeah, what's the matter?
3: Something just tiptoed into my office. I got a hunch you know about it. Oh,
5: maybe that's Renee.
3: That's what it says. If you are, Mr. Diamond, I wish you'd please pay
5: a little attention to me or aren't you interested in a potential client?
3: Uh, hold it a second, honey. Uh, sure, I'm always interested in a potential client. What did you do, lose your wedges? I beg your pardon? Forget it. I've got Miss Asher on the phone now. She just told me you were coming up. Oh, well, please say hello to Miss Asher. She's such a darling. Yeah. Uh, Honey, Renee says to say hello. Says you're a darling. Oh, well, say hello to Renee. He makes my hats for me. I'll get the story from him. Call you later. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Renee. Your full name is Benet. Renee Benet. How do you do? How are you, Mr. Binet?
5: Mr. Diamond, I have a problem, and Miss Asher seemed to think that you could help me with it. Well, depends cigarette? No, thanks. I don't use them. Depends on what. You don't even know my problem yet.
3: Look, I don't care if you swipe John Frederick's toupee. For $100 a day in expenses, I'll grow a mattress on his skull.
5: Mr. Diamond,
3: I can see that you don't know much
5: about hats.
3: You are so wrong.
5: Uh, am I? Well, it may interest you to know that John Frederick's are two people, Mr. John and Mr. Frederick's.
3: Look, uh, Mr. Bernay, I don't care if they're patrol number three of the brownies. Can you afford 100 a day in expenses? Mr. Diamond, I am the new sensation in hats. You must look lovely. Okay, Mr. Benet, I take it you can afford me. Now, what's your problem?
5: I want you to prevent the theft of my three latest creations. Hats? Creations, Mr. Diamond. Okay, creations. Why do you want to protect it? Why? Because someone is going to steal them before my false showing. How do you know that? Because on similar occasions, the same thing has happened twice, to be exact. The designs were stolen, and two weeks later, that low-life my son, had his showing, and my hats were the high point of his show. What did you do? What could I do? I couldn't prove it. If I attempted to expose him, he would have said that I was lying. Everybody knows how much we hate each other. I'd have been a laughing stock. Do you think he had the hats stolen? I'm sure of it. And I'm also sure that someone in my salon is responsible for the actual theft.
3: You know, definitely? No.
5: No, but I suspect my partner, Gerald Winters, he's always been jealous of my ability. Oh. Mr. Diamond, couldn't you open a window or something? It's
3: frightfully hot. Oh, uh, it's, uh, it's the air conditioning. I keep a bag of red-lipped jumbos up in the vent. Sometimes they get stuck. Red-lipped jumbos? Pistachio nuts. You like hats? I get hung up on pistachio nuts. Perhaps you should see a psychiatrist. I did. What happened? I sent him five pounds of pistachios just yesterday. Oh. Oh, well, here's my card. I'll see you at my salon, Mr. Diamond, in about an hour.
5: Oh. Oh, and something else. I don't want my partner or the help to know that you're a private detective. What am I supposed to do? Buy a hat? Well, I'll tell them that you're a designer from Hollywood. That way, whatever you say will be all right. See you in an hour.
7: You say this Richard of Hollywood
5: is coming here to look at our new lines? That's correct, Lillian.
8: Never heard of him.
5: Well, that's not so surprising, Gerald. There are a lot of people I'm sure you've never heard of, especially the more famous
3: one. I don't like that. Oh, don't you?
5: Well, I'm overjoyed that you're short of one thing, at least. Now, don't you two start fighting again. I've never heard of this Richard of Hollywood, either. Well, he's here. He's a new man. Works for the studios. He's made quite a sensation the last year or so. Well, I'm sick and tired of temperamental artists. I'm going back to my office. Well, why don't you do that, Gerald? Keep the books in the black, dear Potter, while I work to pay for your salary. You know, already someday I'm going to strangle you with one of your own hats. Why don't you buy yourself a barbell instead, Then the next time you get into a bathing suit, there'll be no doubt that you have muscles. Office boy! How can you two continue like this? It's frightful. Really, my love, I would rather join forces with a cobra than to keep on with Gerald, but he has an iron-bound contract that assures of him at least 50,000 a year. I'm helpless. Yes, come in! Oh, Mr... <clears throat> I mean,
3: uh, Richard. Come in, come in. Uh, thanks, thanks. You better go out and pour some water on your partner. I just ran into him.
5: Gerald, what do you mean?
3: Well, I was looking for you, and he came up and introduced himself. You told him your name? Told him I was a hat designer from Hollywood, so he pointed out your office and said something about my lily white hands. And what happened? I didn't like the remarks, so I shoved one of them down his throat. <gasps> Oh, wonderful. This I'll have to see. I put a feather in his mouth. You can't miss him.
5: Uh, Rene, uh, don't you think... Oh, oh that... why I'm sorry. Stupid of me. Lillian, this is uh, Richard of Hollywood. What? Uh, oh, 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 yeah.
3: There is something wrong? Oh, no, no, no. How do
5: you do? Uh, this is Lillian Richmond, my junior designer and chief model. Now, you two think it's something clever to talk about. I want to see Gerald. Bloody nose, feather and all. <laughs> Cigarettes? You look nervous. Oh, thanks.
7: So, Gerald was the victim of uh, a collision? Ah, yes. Do your friends call you Richard? Well,
3: it depends on how friendly they get. Then sometimes they come up with some real hair curlers. What do your friends call you?
7: I prefer Lillian, but sometimes they call me Lil.
3: Ah, Lil sounds more interesting.
7: That's when they call me Lil,
3: when things get interesting.
7: You don't act much like a hat designer, Richard. More like you should be playing football.
3: Oh, well, I, uh, I started by designing helmets for Notre Dame.
7: I understand you work for the movies.
3: You with any particular studio? Hmm. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, with an independent company. Real Square Productions. We make training films. Training films? <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, that was simply wonderful. I had to pour a vase of water on him. Several customers were so frightened they left, but it was worth it. And, and how are you two getting along? Uh, Richard was just talking about football. He was explaining the merits of a short pass. Oh. Well, if you don't mind, Lillian, Mr... Uh, uh, Richard and I have some business to talk over. Not at
7: all. Get him to tell you how he started by making helmets. Maybe you'll get some new ideas, Renée.
5: Helmets? Oh, my goodness.
7: See you later, Richard.
3: I'll wear my muzzle.
5: Isn't she lovely? She has about as much conscience as a tiger in a chicken coop. Okay, now, uh, now, what about our business? Oh, of course. Now, here's a retainer. I trust that 500 is enough to start
3: on. My landlord will think so. What do I do?
5: Well, I've told everyone that you're going to be with us until the fall showing. You want to see how I work. Perhaps take some designs back to Hollywood with you. Now, all you really have to do is to get to know the people that work for me. Now, be here from nine in the morning to six at night and keep those designs from being stolen.
3: Oh, by the way, where are the designs?
5: They're In my safe here. Tomorrow they go to the designing rooms, and that's when the situation becomes acute. We'll have nothing to worry about until tomorrow, so I'll see you tomorrow in the
3: morning at nine's time. Okay. Oh, uh, in case you need me, here's my card. I'll write my home number on it. For some reason, when I get a client, they always run into silly little things like murder or something. You just might need me. See you in the morning. I left Rene and headed for my apartment. I had suddenly found myself in the horrible position of a man with a steady job. Nine in the morning until six in the evening. Now, I'm a guy who can get along without too much sleep, especially when the situation calls for it. Like the little blonde dancer that works over on Fifth Second Street. There was a the situation. But this time, I figured a good night's rest wouldn't do me any harm, so when I got home, I fixed a bite to eat, took a hot shower, and climbed into my little old sack. Oh, who is it? It's Lieutenant Levinson. I'm oh, well, bully for you. What time is it? 4.30 in the morning. Goodbye, Walt. Now, you wait a minute. I'm just trying to make things easy on you. And what was that hello, honey for? Oh, I was dreaming. What do you mean, make things easy for me? At 4.30 in the morning, nothing's easy.
5: I wanted to let you get here under your own steam. I know what a shock it would be if I sent Otis down there to drag you
3: out of bed. Oh, yeah, horrible. At all late 8 to 5, the Dracula was loose again. Hey, what do you want me there for? Well, I know you won't be surprised, but there's been a riddle killing. killing. Uh, so what? So you're mixed up in it. Now get down here. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who's dead? A guy named Benet. Auto accident. Rene Benet? Yeah, I guess that's the way you pronounce it. You see, Otis, your mallet head, you were wrong. It's pronounced Benet, not Benny.
5: That idiot was calling him Rene Benny.
3: Well, how did you know I was working for Benet? Your card was found in his pocket. I'm at 125th Street, so come on up as fast as you can. As soon as I get my football helmet off. Football helmet? You sleep on a football helmet? Well, I do. Don't you? Bye. I left the apartment and took off the address Walt had given me. It was way uptown on Riverside Drive. It was cold and the fog had begun to drift in. I found Walt over near the power car and he briefed me. Rene Benet had been killed in an automobile accident. His car had crashed over a hundred foot by He went through the guardrail up there, Rick. Oh, wonder what he was doing way up here. Certainly wasn't headed home. Maybe he was going to see someone. Oh, maybe. Better check and see if he knew anyone out this way. Now, you wait a minute. You think something's wrong? Could be, huh? He had a partner who might want him out of the way. Oh, it's a mess, isn't it? Yeah, pretty badly burned before the fireboys got here. Wait a minute. Otis is over there with him. Otis! Probably warming his feet, and he couldn't warm those big things on an atom bomb. Otis! Yeah, Lieutenant? Yeah, Lieutenant, yeah, Lieutenant. Did you find anything? Yeah, there's been a fire. Oh.
4: Get over here.
3: Well, what about that card you found in his pocket? Why didn't it get burned? It was in one of his suits over at his apartment. I put in a call, checked his license plate, found out who he was, where he lived, and sent a couple of boys over. They came up with your card. You know how they all love you. Hmm. Anything else in the apartment? Nothing yet. We'll get a report. Uh, here I am, Lieutenant. He's getting smart. Oh. Hello, Shamus. Otis, get the car started. We'll go back to the station and wait for a report about this accident. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lieutenant. No. No? That's right. You touch that sign and I'll throw you out of the car. Oh. Uh-huh. Guy can't have any fun anymore. <laughs> Walt, when are you going to get that report? It's 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, I know it's 6.30. I
5: always yawn like this when it's
3: 6.30. Oh, maybe this is it. Yeah? Uh, I got that report, Lieutenant. Oh, Take the marbles out of your mouth. What did you say?
5: Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm a little sleepy.
3: Maybe you'd like me to sing you a lullaby. Oh,
5: that'd be silly. Well, then makes sense. Uh, I got that report. Uh, Benny, uh...
3: Benet from the fire. Autopsy showed he had a slight concussion but not serious enough to kill him. And what about the car? It wasn't tampered with. There was something funny, though. A steering wheel was smeared like someone had been wearing gloves. No prints. Uh, Benny didn't have on any gloves. How'd the fire start? A cigarette and the upholstery. A cigarette and upholstery. Okay, Otis, I'll call you if I need you. Go on back to sleep. Did you hear? Yeah. Benet was murdered. What makes you so sure? Walt, Motor said he had a slight concussion, but not enough to kill him, right? Okay. You want to tell me that he was unconscious the whole time it took that fire to start? Ordinarily, a cigarette smolders a long time. Then why didn't he get out of the car? Because he didn't have time to wake up. Someone helped that fire along, got it burning in a few minutes, and then pushed the car over the viaduct. Ah, that isn't enough. Okay, how's this then? Benet didn't smoke. Now that I'll buy. But how do you know? He told me. I offered him a cigarette in my office this morning. Well, who do you think did it? Well, I know he had two enemies. His partner, Gerald Winters, and another hat designer, George Marchand. I'll have them picked up. No, no, no. Let them alone for a while. huh? Let's have some breakfast first, and then go down to Rene's Salon when it opens. Quite a store.
7: Yes? Oh. Oh, good morning. How's Richard from
3: Hollywood? From hunger. From
5: Hollywood. <laughs> All
3: right. Bro. Oh, I
5: wish Otis was here. He'd love this. Well, whose side are you on?
3: Now, Walt. This is Lil. Uh, Lillian Richmond, Walt. Lillian, this is Lieutenant Levinson.
7: Lieutenant?
3: Homicide.
7: Oh. Well, I hope he's just in to buy a hat for his wife.
3: I'm not married, Miss Richmond. Well, buy a
7: hat. Lillian,
3: I just call Rennie's apartment to. Oh, what do you want? Walt, this is Gerald Winters, who split his lip. He ran into a fist. Where were you between 3 and 4 o'clock this morning, Mr. Winters? What do you want to know for?
7: Uh, Gerald, this is a lieutenant from Homicide. I think maybe something's happened. What could have happened?
3: I was in bed from 11 o'clock till late. Besides, what's a policeman doing with a great Richard from Hollywood? Did someone see one of his creations and strangle to death? Where were you around 4 this morning, Lillian?
7: Also in bed, but I can't prove it. Why?
3: René's been killed. What? You don't seem too upset, Mr. Winters. No? Well, you're right. As a matter of fact, I'm not.
7: How did it happen?
3: Car went over the viaduct. Burned to death.
7: Then why ask us where we were? It was an accident, wasn't it?
3: No, it was not an accident. Mr. Winters, what happens to you now? You take over the firm? Yes. It all goes to me. I think you'd better come down to the station. Answer a few questions. Oh, now, you don't... This is absurd. I... I hated Rene, but I'd never kill him. Rick, do me a favor and go over to this, uh, George Marchand. Talk to him until I can send orders down to pick oh. him up. You, you aren't a hat designer, are you? Bingo. You want another split lip. No, no, no. Lay off him, Rick. Come on, Mr. Winters. Let's go. I knew he wasn't. I
5: just knew that man couldn't be
3: famous in Hollywood or anywhere else. Well? Mm-hmm. Police? Private detective. The name's that. Mm-hmm.
7: Did you ever play football? Yeah. Stop back after you see my I'd like to find out more about the
3: game. Strong line and a good backfield. You've played it. <laughs>
5: Good morning. What
3: can I do for you? Uh, George Marchand? Yes. Well, I'm from the police, Mr. Marchand. The police? Your competitor, Rene Benet, was killed last night. What? He was burned to death in his car.
5: Oh, but this is horrible, horrible. But what has Rene's death to do with me?
3: Well, we think he was murdered, and we're trying to find a good motive.
5: Mr. Diamond, it's true that Rene and I were enemies. Everyone knew it but to think that I would take his life. is utterly absurd.
3: Yeah. Where were you about four this morning, Mr. Marchand? Well, I I was in bed, asleep. Everybody sure had a dull evening. How well do you know Gerald Winters, René's partner? Oh, just slightly. How about Lillian Richmond? By reputation only. Uh, One more question. When's your fall showing, Mr. Marchand?
5: In two days.
3: Well, be sure to be around for it. The police get very unhappy if a murder suspect catches the first plane for the border. Murder suspect. See you later, Mr. Marshall. I left Marshall, counting his pulse and wondering just how much I did know. And if he could have seen what was going on in my little old mind, he might have grown a few white hairs. I grabbed a cab and headed for the 5th precinct police station and Walt Levinson. Needless to say, he was not happy. Oh, now, you wait a minute, Diamond. I'm satisfied with Gerald Winters. He's the only one who had a motive. The only one who had a motive that you can see. Too many things point to someone else. Give me a for instance. Oh, you always want a for instance. Well, hang it, you're trying to convince me that Winters isn't the killer, aren't you? Yes, I am, Walt. Then I want a for instance. I want to know your reason. Well, Winters and Renee hated each other. Even as partners, they really wanted each other out of the way. Are you crazy? You just gave me the best reason for hanging on to Winters. Walt, when Renee was killed, he was ten miles away from his apartment going in the other direction. So what? Did you find out if you knew anyone who might live out that way? Even if he didn't know anyone out that way, I still say so what. The killer went for a drive with him, got out there, hit him over the head, poured gasoline on the seat, and dropped a cigarette. Pushed him off the viaduct, And winter smokes. I know. I sent a whole carton out of a cell to make sure. You're right about how the killer did it. But do you think Rene would have taken a drive like that with a man he hated, knowing how much a man hated him? Huh? Another thing. It was pretty warm yesterday and last night, wasn't it? It certainly was. Lousy weather. Okay. The killer wore gloves. Isn't that a little strange on a warm night? So, he slipped on some gloves. Didn't want to leave any fingerprints. No, no, no. The killer was driving. The report said there were absolutely no fingerprints on the steering wheel. If Rene was in the driver's seat, there would have been a few of his anyway. We couldn't tell whether he was in the driver's seat. He could have been thrown aside when the car crashed.
2: But I don't get this glove angle. You want to catch a killer?
3: Oh, what kind of a remark is that? Oh, come on. Oh, uh, where are we going?
2: Down to Rene's shop.
3: We can get in through a window I noticed in the alley. There are some designs in his safe, and Walt, the killer has to get them out tonight. <laughs> Lieutenant, Jimmy. Rick, I don't like this. Busting into a place without a warrant. Oh, go on. Climb in and watch for the burglar alarm.
5: All right. Come on, Otis. Okay. <laughs> here, I'll give you a hand, Diamond.
3: Uh, uh, that ought to be easy for you, Otis. Yeah, right. Well, you could hold on with the other four and still have one left over. Grab me. Oh, Is that so? You two lay off. Come on, Rick, show me where to go. Right over here, in Renee's office. What makes you think the killer hasn't already stolen the plans? I wouldn't have done it the night of the murder. That would have shown a motive. Wouldn't have done it today. Too many people in the shop. Oh. Go on in. Mm, gee. Spooky. I can't see a thing. Walt, what's this?
4: Boo. Oh. <laughs> off
3: of Pete's sake, Lay off all of this diamond and where do we hide? Just sit on anywhere and be quiet. The first person through that door is our killer. Mm. That clock is going to drive me crazy. You want me to shut it off? How do you shut off a clock, stupid?
1: Busted.
3: Oh. Rick. Yeah. I still don't understand why that glove angle is so important. Well, as a single item, it's not so important. But along with the rest, it was the first thing that gave me an idea of the killer.
5: <laughs> yeah. I think I got it.
4: <laughs> I did. Oh.
3: killer's going to show. Yeah. I'm getting stiff. Hold it, Walt. Hmm? I think we have a customer. Otis, get up and stand next to that light switch. Flip it on when I tell you. Yeah, right. Okay, Otis. Oh, hello, Lillian. Oh, you startled me. What
7: was all about? Are you doing here?
3: Waiting for you.
7: For me? I, well, I don't understand. I was just coming over to pick to up some of my sketches. I forgot them this afternoon.
3: So you waited until three in the morning?
7: I had a date. Yeah.
3: Otis, go out and drag in her date.
7: Now you wait just a minute. I don't know what this is all about. Would go ahead, All
3: right. To, Mr. Diamond, would you mind telling me what this is all about? Sure, lover. Point by point, it goes something like this. Rene Benet was killed by somebody he knew and trusted. He never would have gone for that riot otherwise. Benet didn't smoke. So the killer was an amateur and started to fire with a cigarette. The killer wore gloves, and it was too hot that night for a man to wear them without looking suspicious. Are
7: you
5: saying that you think I... you
3: kill René? A... You... Sure you did. Come
5: on, you... You man. did,
4: you dirty... End
5: of a... yeah,
4: here he is, little well, This is the
5: guy in
7: the car. What is this all about? You better ask Mr. Diamond, although I don't think it'll make much sense. He just accused me of killing Renee. What?
3: Good morning, Mr. Marjon. I thought you didn't know, Lillian. Well, prior to this evening, I did not. I
5: I called her because I I wanted to talk to her about Renée's
3: death. Ah, you're lying. Today at your shop, you called me Mr. Diamond. How did you know my name? Well, uh,
4: you told it to me. No,
3: no, no, no. You're fitting again. I just said I was from the police. Only one person who knew both of us could have called you, and she also knew I was on the way over to your shop didn't you, Lil?
7: The name is Miss Richmond. Now prove that I killed Renee. You've got no motive.
3: Well, the designs are enough to start with. You probably suspected I wasn't a hat designer. And you knew you had to work fast if you were going to get those designs to Marchand here before this fall showing.
5: That's not true. you never gave me any designs from Rene.
3: You know, of course, Mr. Marchand, that if we stick your girlfriend with a murder rap, you're an accessory before and after the fact.
0: Mm, what?
3: Sure, maybe you'll, uh... Maybe we will get to sit in a nice electric glove seat and hold hands. Ooh, but I had nothing to do with the murder. Well, you know about it, and you know who did it. That's enough to put you away for 20 years. Being mixed up in the actual motive might get you
5: alive. No, 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 no. She was the one that did it. She knew Winters would be blamed for it. Just? Yes, she stole the designs for me because she wanted to ruin Benet and take over his head on, but I did not know she was going to kill him. Why, you... Dirty little man. You did know it. You did know it. You helped me plan it if I got the best sketches for you.
7: I'll
4: tell you. Raise them. Get of
3: away Come on, lady. Let's go. Okay. All them both out of the car. Rick, I don't know how. Rick. Oh, no. Rick. Oh, why does he always disappear like that? <laughs>
6: That you're playing? That's a new
3: thing. Kind of pretty. Don't cry, Joe. Well, sing it. All right, but uh, but you know that gripey neighbor in the other apartment building.
6: Oh, don't pay any attention to him. Don't hear any of the other tenants yelling for you to shut up.
3: Well, maybe they're not as forceful as the Grouch. You see, honey, I uh, I got a couple of letters. Letters? Mm-hmm. From the people in that building. Most of them like the singing, but a couple feel the same way the Grouch does.
4: Well,
6: there's only one way to find out what all the people in the building think.
3: Uh, How's that?
6: Open the window and sing so they can all hear you.
3: Uh, Okay, I'll buy it. You open the window. Don't you think maybe this is silly?
6: Rick, I like you to sing when you come over here, but I don't want you to do it if no one else does. Now, go ahead.
7: Okay. Don't try, Joe.
3: Better once you make your mind up. No Don't Let her go.
6: Let her go. Let her go. No reaction yet. Maybe they all took poison.
3: Well, give him time, we'll find out soon enough. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Uh, Come on, let's go to the kitchen and case the icebox.
2: Private Detective Starring Dick Powell Helen was played By Virginia Gregg Lieutenant Levinson By Ed Begley Also in our cast Were Wilms Herbert I Aberback, Kay Brinker Clark Gordon And Jane Ovello Music was under The direction of Frank Worth Richard Diamond Is written by Blake Edwards And directed by Richard Sandville. Dick Powell Soon will be seen In the screen version Of the best selling novel Mrs. Mike Now this is Eddie King Inviting you to be with us again At the same time next week When we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Saturday night brings you some of the week's best radio entertainment when you tune for the stars on NBC. Stay tuned to NBC every Saturday evening for a great lineup of programs, including Hollywood Star Theater, Ralph Edwards' Truth or Consequences, Your Hit Parade, A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, The Judy Canova Show, and Grand Ole Opry. All the
1: best on NBC.
2: Stay tuned for Irene Dunn and Hollywood Star Theater on NBC.
1: Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. It's Friday the 13th, and to make matters worse, two black cats show up on the doorstep. Here's Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks.
8: For your entertainment and pleasure, here is Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. written by Al Lewis. Well, Friday fell on the 13th of the month, a day of caution for the superstitious. But to our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, it didn't mean a thing.
6: No, indeed. Even when my landlady told me at breakfast that our cat Minerva came home with two black kittens, I just laughed and said, Mrs.
9: Davis, no! (laughs) No! They've just had our last drop of milk. But Minerva and I were always so friendly. She didn't say a word to me about this. Oh, the kittens aren't Minervas. I don't know where they belong. All I know is that we can't afford to keep them. It would mean two more mouths to feed. You're right, Mrs. Davis. We've got enough trouble feeding the mouths we've got. (laughs) Say, I've got an idea. We could leave them in the Snodgrass Pet Shop until we located the owners. Stretch's father has all sorts of things in his slates. That's true. He even has Stretch.
4: <laughs> Good old Stretch.
9: That
6: boy certainly is a fine athlete. Yes, he is. Now, if there was only some way we could find to exercise his brain. <laughs> Don't worry about the kittens, Mrs. Davis. I'll have Walter Denton drop them off at the pet shop on our way to school this morning. Good.
9: one more thing, Connie. Would you deliver this jar to Mr. Conklin when you get to school? Certainly, Mrs. Davis. What have you cooked up for our beloved principal? It's a secret concoction, Connie. My own recipe. It never fails. Good. How long does it take to work, and will they find
6: out what's in it at the autopsy?
9: (laughs) It's just a remedy for hiccups, Connie. It contains nothing but juniper juice, oil of cloves, a dash of vinegar, some vanilla extract, a spoonful of baking soda... Uh, tell me the rest after breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's about all there is to it. But it's very good. Mrs. Conklin says it's just a nervous reaction. She called last night and told me he got the hiccups yesterday, just a few minutes after he found out that the superintendent of schools is visiting him this afternoon. Mr. Michaels? Why should he give Mr. Conklin the hiccups? Well, there's a new term starting, and it seems that Mr. Michaels wants to chat with Osgood about the way he's running Madison. You mean
6: if Mr. Michaels finds fault with something, there's a chance that Mr. Conklin may not be... Oh, now cut it out, Connie You're too old to live in a dream
4: world
9: Oh, that's Walter Denton Come in, Walter oh, I'd better go into the kitchen I've got to clean those dishes I used for the kitten's milk Why don't you let Minerva
6: do the dishes? They're her friends
9: Hi, Miss Brooks Did I hear
6: Mrs. Davis mention kittens? Just some and acquaintances, Walter We're going to drop them off at Stretch's pet shop On the way to school Oh, swell Stretch will get a big kick out of him He loves animals All kinds of animals. I know. You've been friends for years, haven't you? (laughs) I hope you're not superstitious, Walter, but these are both black cats, and today is Friday
10: the 13th. Oh, that doesn't bother me, Miss Brooks. This is going to be a red-letter day in my memory. The day when the results of careful planning should be brought to fruition. Translation? Well, you've heard of Cure That Habit Incorporated, haven't you? You mean the outfit that helps people overcome alcoholism? Yes, ma'am. They got a big ad in the papers. You know, perhaps you or someone near and dear to you is a victim of this dread disease. Send for our instructive literature telling how you, too, can be cured. Well, the day before yesterday, I sent for it. You, Walter? I always thought you were strictly a two-coke-a-day man.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't
10: sign my name and address to the request. I printed the name of someone very near and dear to me. Who? Osgood Conklin.
6: (laughs) Walter, Mister Conklin doesn't drink. Why, even on New Year's Eve, he just had fruit punch. His proudest boast is that he's a teetotaler. Well, that's the
10: humor of it. When he gets all this stuff in the mail, he'll think that somebody somewhere doesn't believe that he doesn't
6: drink. That thought alone should turn him purple. It'll probably be quite a picturesque spectacle. But I still don't think it's right, Walter. Does Harriet know about this rib? Of course not. She's his daughter. She likes Mr. Conklin.
4: <laughs> well,
6: she's bright in other ways. <laughs> now, come on, Walter. We've got to get started for school if we're going to drop those kittens off. Okay, Miss Brooks. Oh, uh,
10: one thing before we go. Everything I've told you today is strictly confidential. And not that I'm asking for an oath of secrecy or anything. I know that I couldn't possibly feel the admiration and respect for you that I do feel if I thought you'd rat on me. I mean... <sighs> Betraying my confidence about this joke I'm for Well, don't worry, Walter Your secret is safe with me Miss Brooks, that statement makes me feel warm all over Really? Sure In a dangerous practical joke like this It's great to know that somebody else is in it with you up to her ears
11: Sorry to
8: have kept you waiting, Mr.
11: Chalmers What can I do for you? Well, Mr. Michaels, as superintendent of schools, you're acquainted, no doubt, with the principal of Madison High School. Oh, yes, that's Osgood Conklin. Matter of fact, I'm going to see him this afternoon. Then I'd very much like to go with you. You see, Mr. Michaels, my son attends Madison High, and I'm very anxious to find out the meaning of this postcard which arrived at my office this morning. Postcard? Yes, sir. Uh, I'll read it to you. It's addressed to Cure That Habit Incorporated. That's my firm, Mr. Michaels. And it says, uh, kindly send me all your literature. I am determined once and for all to rid myself of the curse of alcoholism. It's signed, Osgood Conklin.
6: Here we are, Miss Brooks. Dear old Madison High. I should have known that the Snodgrass Pet Shop doesn't open until nine. What in the world are we going to do with these kittens, Walter? Gosh, I don't know, Miss Brooks.
10: Mr. Conklin's awfully strict about pets in the building. The only animals allowed are in Mr. Boynton's lab.
6: Oh, say, we could keep them in there until lunch period. That's right. Then Stretch could take them over to his dad's shop. Come on, Walter, let's take them in. Wait a minute, where are the kittens? I've
10: got them in my sweater pocket. See, uh, here's one. Meow.
4: And
6: uh, here's the other one.
4: Meow.
6: <laughs> so much for Maxine and Laverne. <laughs> Hello, Patty. I mean, Harriet.
10: <laughs> hey, Harriet. I-, I gotta run now. I'll talk to you later. Okay, Walter. How does your dad feel, Harriet? Are the hiccups gone? Yes, Miss Brooks. They disappeared about an hour ago. But I'm afraid it isn't permanent. Every time something unpleasant happens, it brings them on again.
6: Well, maybe this remedy that Mrs. Davis sent down will be of some help. I'd better take it into him right now. All right, Miss Brooks. See you in class. Come in. It's me, Mr. Conklin.
8: Oh... Miss Brooks. <laughs>
4: <Pick up. laughs> well, they're back. Who's back? Up.
8: Does that answer your question?
6: Maybe you should see a doctor, Mr. Conklin.
8: Saw a doctor yesterday. Pick up.
6: <laughs> Told me
8: to relax, and they go away. Relax. <laughs> What's in that jar you've got there?
6: It's a hiccup cure that Mrs. Davis asked me to give you. She made it herself. What's in it? Nothing but juniper juice, oil of cloves, a dash of vinegar, some vanilla extract, and baking soda. I'd
8: rather have the hiccup.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Conklin, if you haven't got anything else handy, maybe you ought to try some of Mrs. Davis's remedy.
8: Well, I might take just one swallow of the stuff. Give it here. Uh,
6: Well, Mr. Conklin, what does it taste like?
8: It tastes like hiccup. (laughs) Like... Like... Like...
6: What's the difference as long as it does the job?
8: (laughs) Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden will continue in just a moment, but first, first...
0: The first...
6: giving Mr. Conklin an antidote for Mrs. Davis's hiccup remedy, I returned to my classroom and whiled away the hours before lunch by teaching a bit of English. Promptly at noon, I found myself, by the amazing coincidence which occurs daily, at Mr. Boynton's biology lab.
12: Come in. Oh, it's you, Miss Brooks. I'm glad you dropped in. Very glad indeed.
6: Honestly, Mr. Boynton?
12: I should say so. You've got to get these cats out of here. Oh, uh
6: about that. Walter Denton has asked Stretch to pick them up and take them to the Snodgrass Pet Shop.
12: Oh, good. Where
6: are they, Mr. Barnum?
12: Well, I had to keep them over here in a separate cage away from the white mice. They, uh, they were pretty upset.
6: Cats do that to mice as a rule. <laughs> well,
12: here they are. Meow. <coughs> Meow. This one loves to be petted. Meow. <laughs> so does this one for that matter.
8: Mr. Boynton, I... Oh, excuse me, Miss Brooks. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh,
6: that's all right, Stretch.
8: Oh, I don't mind waiting if you want to finish your song.
6: (laughs) No, thanks. I don't know the rest of the words, anyway.
8: Are these the cats Walter wants me to take down to the shop? Oh, that's right, Stretch. You think you can handle them all right? Oh, sure. I love animals. Gosh, I think animals are smarter than a lot of people of whom I'm acquainted with.
4: (laughs) I know
6: they're smarter than some people of whom I'm acquainted with. Before I take the catch, Mr. Boynton, I'd like to talk to you about a swap. You got a
8: bullfrog in here I'd like to show my dad.
12: Well, you don't mean my pet McDougal.
8: Oh, no, sir. I know you wouldn't let Mac out of your sight. I mean this big fella over here. Hiya, boy. Hiya, big fella. <laughs> you see? He knows me. Say more, fella. <laughs>
6: <laughs> he certainly talks your language.
4: <laughs> if you'll
8: let me have him, Mr. Boynton, I'll give you Clarence. Clarence, I got him right here in my pocket. There he is.
12: <laughs> oh, don't be scared. He's perfectly harmless, isn't he, Mr. Boynton? Oh well, yes, of course. It's completely non-poisonous, Miss Brooks. This little creature's a milk snake.
8: That's right, Miss Brooks. Just a little old milk snake.
6: Must take a pretty shallow bucket. <laughs> He
8: couldn't possibly hurt anyone, Miss Brooks. He's just a baby.
6: That doesn't prove anything. When I was a baby, I bit people all the time. (laughs) Take him away, Stretch, please.
12: Well, yes, Stretch. You keep the snake and uh, take the frog along, too.
8: Gee, thanks, Mr. Boynton. I'll take awful good care of him.
6: Don't forget the kittens, Stretch. Well, I won't.
8: Let's see now. It's a good thing I wore my sport jacket today. I can put the kittens in the side pockets, the frog in an inside pocket, and Clarence in my breast pocket.
6: Too bad you're not a kangaroo. You could give me a lift to the cafeteria. (laughs)
8: Oh, I'm not going to the cafeteria I gotta go to the principal's office and clean it up Mr. Conklin's expecting some high brass down
6: You mean the chandelier's loose?
4: (laughs) No,
8: ma'am The superintendent of schools is coming here And that reminds me Mr. Conklin says that you should inspect his office As soon as I get through And see that everything's spick and span Me? That's right, Miss Brooks well, i better get going. Thanks for the key frog, Mr. Boynton.
12: Oh, you're welcome, Stretch. See you in a little while, Miss Brooks.
6: Oh, that's just dandy. Now I won't be able to accept your charming invitation to lunch, Mr. Boynton.
12: What invitation? Oh, oh you mean to lunch. Oh. <laughs> Gee, Miss Brooks, maybe you could have a quick lunch with me and then inspect Mr. Conklin's office.
6: I hate to disappoint you, Mr. Boynton, but that's just what I'm going to do.
8: <laughs> oh. The last window's clean. Mr. Conklin's office looks neat as a pin.
6: Don't you think so, Miss Brooks? Let's see. Yes, it looks very nice, Stretch. Mr. Conklin should be very pleased when he gets back from lunch.
8: I hope so. Now I'll put my jacket back on and get these animals back to the. Hey, wait a minute. They're gone.
6: Who's gone? Everybody.
4: (laughs) The
8: frog and the snake. You must have crawled out of my pockets when I put my jacket
6: down. Oh, no. Well, they must be in the office somewhere. We've got to find them before... Well, let's
8: see how the place looks.
6: Mr. Conklin. Ah, you've done a very nice job, Stretch.
8: Well, thanks, Mr. Conklin, but... You can run along now. Miss Brooks, you will stay here and help me find some papers.
6: Yes, sir. But, Mr.
8: Conklin... I've already thanked you, Snodgrass. Now go. (laughs) Now then, Miss Brooks, I've been trying to locate the semi annual report I made to the Board of Education six months ago. Will you kindly look in the top drawer of my desk while I try the closet here?
6: Very well, Mr. Kaufman. Meow! Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's not in there.
8: You hardly looked, Miss
6: Brooks. I saw enough. It's
8: not in here either. Oh, it must be in this drawer. Let me look for myself. You were right, Miss Brooks. There's nothing in there but a cat. Well, maybe it's in this other drawer. No, just another cat. Well, in that case, I'll simply have.
4: Just another cat! <laughs> Miss
8: Brooks, what are those two cats doing in my desk?
6: Maybe they're looking for the report, too have strayed in through an open window, Mr. Conklin. I'll have them removed at once. Well, see
8: that you do. But first, go look in my filing cabinet. Yes, sir. Uh, Look under letter B.
4: Yes, sir. Mm.
6: What are you doing in here? You should be filed under F. It's not in here, Mr. Conklin. Well, it
8: must be somewhere. Let me look. Uh, what's in this badge? i uh, let's see. One letter from Boys Town. My Beaver Patrol badge. One communication from the board. Mm. One frog. <laughs> An invitation to the Elks' barbecue. Another notice of a board meeting. A letter from...
4: One frog!
6: <laughs> Miss Brooks, there's a frog hopping around my filing cabinet.
8: Is there a frog? Yes, he's jumping all over the place. What do I do, Miss Brooks?
6: Why don't you hit him with the snake that's crawling on your coat lapel?
8: That's a good idea. I'll just take this snake, and then I'll...
6: Take this snake! Here, Mr. Conklin, just file him under edge what?
8: What's going on here? Miss Brooks, look! Look this mark on my hand. That snake bit me. I'm poised!
6: Oh,
4: but, Mr. Conklin, he I've couldn't... got to
8: be inoculated. Quick, take me to the first aid
4: room.
6: Now, just sit in that chair and relax for a minute, Mr. Conklin. I'll be right back.
8: As you say, Miss Brooks. Oh, Hi, Miss Brooks. I got all the animals out of Mr. Conklin's office. Good.
6: For a while there, he thought the snake bit him. But I've convinced Mr. Conklin that the mark on his hand is just a bruise. In fact, I was looking for some rubbing alcohol, but they seem to be out of it in first aid.
8: Well, I'll get you some over at the gym. But first, I'd like to cheer Mr. Conklin up a bit. Hiya, Mr. Conklin. Let's see your hand. There. All black and blue.
4: <laughs> that ain't
8: nothing at all, Mr. Conklin. The skin ain't even broke. You got nothing to worry about. Thank you, doctor.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
8: now the Now the higgler... There they are again.
6: Oh, don't worry about them, Mr. Conklin.
8: I didn't expect you'd be concerned, Miss Brooks.
6: Well, frankly, after hearing nothing but... and all day, it's hear (laughs) a
8: Oh, I know a sure cure for
4: hiccups, Mr. Conklin.
8: Now, just sit back in that swivel chair for a minute. I am sitting back. Swell. Now, the idea is to start spinning you around slowly. Yeah, uh, Stretch, stop that. But we'll never that. fail. Stretch,
6: you mustn't spin, Mr. Conklin, like that.
8: I know, we gotta spin them faster. Oh, don't no, hey, Go
6: on,
4: Stop, Mr. hear me? Go a... on, it. I said. Stretch, stop. Uh,
10: there. Daddy, I've been looking all over for you.
4: Who are these
8: girls who just came in?
4: <laughs> it's me, Daddy, Harriet.
10: Mr. Michaels is waiting for you in your
8: office. Oh, oh, thank you, Harriet. Just get up and... Oh, I can hardly stand. I'm so dizzy.
6: Maybe you want to spin around the other way for a while.
8: (laughs) Well, let me help you, Mr. Carter. I'll deal with you later, boy. Meanwhile, Miss Brooks, you go ahead and tell Mr. Michaels I'll be right there. I'll lean on Harriet and stretch until I feel a little stronger. (laughs)
11: So you see, Mr. Michaels, I certainly wouldn't want my boy in a school run by someone who had to come to my firm for assistance. I'm sure there must be some mistake,
8: Mr. Chalmers. I've known Osgood Conklin for a good many years, and whatever else he may be, he's not a drinking man.
6: Good day, gentlemen. I'm Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin will be here in a minute.
8: I'm Mr. Michaels, Miss Brooks, and this is Mr. Chalmers. How do you do? How
6: do you
8: do? Uh, Tell me, Miss Brooks... uh, how is Mr. Conklin feeling these days?
6: Feeling? Yes. Oh, just fine. He's never been better. Good.
8: You see, Mr. Chalmers, I'm sure that one look at Mr. Conklin will convince you that he's not the type of person who sends postcards to cure that habit, Incorporated. Hello, Mr. Michael. Sorry I'm late. Let <laughs> <laughs> well, me
4: help
6: you up, Mr. Conklin.
8: I... Uh... Must have tripped, Mr. Michaels. And who are these gentlemen with you?
6: These gentlemen are Mr. Chalmers. Shake hands with the one in the middle. Pleasure to know you, Mr. Chalmers. Don't look now, but that's Mr. Michaels. Mm -hmm. He is Mr. Chalmers. Oh,
8: of course.
11: (laughs) glad to shake your hand, Mr. Chalmers.
6: You're shaking his umbrella.
4: What
11: seems to be the matter, Mr. Conklin? Having trouble with your vision? Yes, yes, that's it. I broke my glasses this morning. Well, I'll get over here and <clears throat> sit down at my desk. Michael's oh, looking at him, a stagger.
8: Incredible. Miss Brooks, you said Mr. Conklin never felt better.
6: That's right. You should have seen him an hour ago. <laughs> Boy, what hiccups.
8: <laughs> hiccups? Uh, yes, yes. I always get them when I'm startled. And uh, what may I ask, startled you?
6: He opened his desk drawer this morning and saw a cat in it.
8: Tell me, Mr. Conklin, in which drawer did you uh, see the cat? Well... The first cat I saw was in this drawer. In this drawer, Mr. Conklin? No, no, there's another cat in there.
4: (laughs) It was
11: was the one in here that startled me. Uh, Would you mind showing us your cats, Mr. Conklin? (laughs) Not at all. They're right here in these drawers. Uh, Uh... Why they're gone? They, uh, they come and they go, Mister Cox? Miss Miss Brooks, where are the cats?
6: They disappeared right after I took you to first aid. <laughs> but he really did see them, gentlemen.
8: Indeed. The next thing you'll be trying to tell us is that he found a bullfrog in his filing cabinet.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
8: How did you know? <laughs>
6: Oh,
11: Frog, too? There must be some error here.
6: Yes, he was filed under B instead of F. Well, <laughs>
11: so, Mr. Michaels, do you believe me now? Well, I'm afraid I do, Mr. Chalmers. Compton, I don't want to seem unnecessarily cruel,
8: but if you want to stay on as principal of this... Oh, pardon me, folks. Oh, here's your alcohol, Mr. Conklin.
6: I'll take it, sir. Miss
8: <laughs> Brooks, that alcohol is for Mr. Compton?
6: Yes, it's for where the snake bit him. <laughs> Of course, it, re- it really didn't bite him. He just
4: thought it did.
11: So? Oh. So, you saw a snake, too, Mr. Cock. Yes, yes, I did, right on my lapel.
8: Although I'm told
4: uh, he's not
8: poisonous, snakes still give me an extremely unpleasant feeling. I assure you that if I ever see him again, I'll. Wait a minute. There he is under your chair, Mr. Chalmers. Look out. I'll get him, uh, Mr.
4: I'll get him. I'll... There.
11: There.
6: Good for you, Mr. Conklin. You have just killed Mr. Chalmers' umbrella. I'm
11: getting out of here. This man is dangerous. I'll go with you, Mr. Chalmers.
8: As for you, Mr. Conklin, I'll talk to you again when you're sober. Sober? Mr. Chalmers here is the head of Cure That Habit Incorporated. Oh, no. This card he received yesterday will explain why he called on me this morning. Good day. Sure, this habit incorporated. What has that got to do with me? Miss Brooks, read this card for me.
6: It says, kindly send me all your literature. I am determined once and for all to rid myself of the curse of alcoholism. And it's signed, Osgood Conklin.
8: Poor soul. (laughs) Any man who has to resort to writing in it.
6: Didn't write this postcard because I know who did. But it was only a little Friday the 13th joke, and I'm honor bound not to mention who did it.
1: Oh, you are.
8: <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, such loyalty is worthy of a better fate than the one under which you are about to crumble.
4: <laughs> you see,
8: you and I have traveled the road of learning together for some time now. It hasn't always been a smooth road, but it's been our road, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Now, do you know what's in store for you?
6: I believe I do, Mr. Conklin. Pass me the rubbing alcohol.
8: The rubbing alcohol?
6: Yes, I might as well have one for the road. Yeah.
8: Eve Arden, is our Miss Brooks returns in just a
3: moment, but... Now, once again,
8: here is our Miss Brooks.
6: Well, much to my surprise, Mr. Conklin didn't dismiss me on the spot. But he did insist that I report to his office immediately after school. On my arrival, he told me we were going down to Mr. Michaels' office immediately. But, Mr. Conklin, what good will
8: that do? If you won't tell me who sent that card in, perhaps you'll tell the superintendent of schools. Now, wait, right where you are, Miss Brooks. I'm going to get my hat and coat out of the club.
6: Yes, Mr. Conklin. Hiya, Miss
10: Brooks. Gee, I'm glad Mr. Conklin's not here. Walter, wait oh, a look minute. Look this. Here's an ad for another one of those liquor cures I'm going to sign his name to. Boy, I wish I could see his face when he finds out about this one.
8: I'll bet he'll be positively purple.
10: <laughs> oh, purple isn't the word for it. Old Marblehead will turn all the colors of the rainbow. oh, 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 oh. oh.
6: There's only one thing you can do. Plead insanity.
11: Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, was produced and directed by Larry Burns, written by Arthur Alsberg and Al Lewis, with the music of Lud Bluskin. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. This program came to you from the Frankfurt Studios of the American Forces Network Europe and was prepared for rebroadcast over this network by specialist Ed Barron.
1: Well, thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Phil Harris and Alice Fay, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.